Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Again, we're excited to have Paul and Christian here today for our video vlogging podcast of the Christians at UMMC original podcast. Today, we are actually wrapping up our podcast on Genesis. And it looks like from the, from the looks of our poll questions, we'll be moving on to Romans. So we want all our listeners to keep following along as we dig into that. But today, again, I have Paul. He's our pediatric ER doctor at Texas. And of course, Christian, but he's our UMC PhD student in microbiology. Uh, and today, I really don't have too much of an agenda, but I think uh, through all the feedback we've gotten concerning our podcast, that there's been a lot of enjoyment. And that's kind of what we want to do. We want to kind of recap all the highlights that we had during the podcast, but really also have an opportunity for us to share what we have really enjoyed concerning the pod. Before we start, I'll just do this kind of a little opening, a, a little summary, and maybe just set the outline out so that you guys can jump in and, you know, and share whatever you, you guys enjoyed. Uh, you know, when we were getting into this, this podcast material, we did not realize how deep Genesis actually went. It being the first book of the Bible is pretty familiar to a lot of Christians, especially growing up. You know, we've all heard the story of Adam and Eve and the tree of life and creation and all this, all these things. But looking back and digging into it, you really start seeing a lot of deep pictures in the book of Genesis. You could say that a lot of seeds were planted in the book of Genesis. And so it was a pleasure really to start digging them out. When I was going through some of the material, I saw some ministry that kind of broke Genesis into three portions. And that's kind of how we laid out our podcast. And the first one, and we'll kind of spend some time here, is this matter of God created. While we always marvel about God's creation, you know, how he can just speak and light would come out and how he can pull land and water and make animals by speaking, this was all really amazing. But God's creation of man, you would say, if you read the Bible, is his top creation. And I just want to read this verse in Genesis 1.31. So this is after Jehovah made man in his image and likeness. And he, when he said this, he, he, said, he said this was very good. All right. So you think about all the majestic things God created, essentially the universe by speaking and everything is as Jehovah saw and it was good. But when he made man, he really, something, something was there, right? He said, hey, this is very good. So I don't know if Christian, you or Paul have anything you want to bring out concerning God's creation of man and maybe his, why, why is man so much better in God's eyes than the moon and the stars and essentially the universe? Yeah, I think um, one thing that Genesis did was, especially that aspect of Genesis, increased my appreciation of man in God's eyes, you know, especially in medicine. 
and in the healthcare fields, you encounter mankind at its lowest often, kind of at its worst in many situations. And, you know, you can, that can eventually uh, influence your perception of your fellow man. But it was so helpful to get back into these, you know, verses that we all know, these, these stories that we all know, but to really dive deep into them and to recognize that man, uh, when God created man, he created something that was special to him in the grand scheme of everything he created. We look around and yeah, you know, mountains are special. You know, the beautiful oceans are special fields of wildflowers are special. We, you know, we, we appreciate all of God's creation, but often take for granted one another. But in God's eyes, the top, the peak of his created things was humanity. In Genesis one twenty six, we see why that is, because everything he created was good. But the reason man was very, very good was because that man, us, were created in his image. We're the only thing in the universe made in his image and likeness. And that's really hard to fathom. That's really hard for me to understand what that means. I, I mean, I, if, you, if you take it at face value, that means God has a face and two eyes and a nose and a mouth and, and we look like him. But if you go deeper, you realize actually it's not just the outward look the way we look, but it's actually that God intended his created man to bear his image, even to express him. You know, God dwells in unapproachable light, Peter says in the New Testament. So how can God be expressed? Well, he can be expressed through some of the things he's created, such as, you know, beautiful sunsets and mountains and things like that. But his real expression, his, the way he desires to be expressed actually is through man and through man as a vessel. Uh, man was meant to express God. And that's every man, whether, you know, anyway, I, I just had my view of people uplifted. It doesn't matter what kind of person you are, whether you're a good person, a bad person, a sinful person, an unhealthy person, a healthy person, doesn't matter. You, that person was made to express God. That person was made in God's image with the purpose of expressing God. And that was one of the big things that came out for me this past semester, listening to the podcast. I really like that view that Paul just opened up, that view of our fellow man and even the kind of view we need to have of ourselves, that we're vessels made to contain God, made in God's image. And that just, wow, wow, that just uplifts, you know, how I need to regard myself, you know, wow, this is the purpose I was made for. And even when I look around at my fellow man, this is what they're really made for, right? Like you said, regardless whatever kind of condition they might be in uh, at the time. That is an awesome view because like you said, if you spend too much time on social media or just the news in general, the, your faith in mankind or your value of man starts mm -hmm. to get pretty grim. But I like how you said, I mean, this was God's intention from the very beginning. Man had a very specific purpose. And this actually segues really well into our next point, because what's amazing is, you know, sometimes we hear Christians, and I remember even in Sunday school, people will, will say things like, oh, if we just were perfect like Adam and Eve were, 
in the Garden of Eden, we'd be fine. Or, or this thought, like right? Adam and Eve, they were perfect. They had God's presence. And in, in a sense, they, you know, they had no sin. You know, they were just hanging out with God, having this intimate fellowship with God. But it's pretty amazing that even in this perfect form of man, God still placed him in front of the tree of life mm-hmm. or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this was a, a big point in the podcast when we we're getting to the book of Genesis, because there is a lot of significance to the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There are movies on this. There are a lot of stories on this. Some people focus on the apple or, or this is blah, blah, you know, all, all these things, uh, how you can eat it and live forever. But the Bible's burden about the tree of life is very different. And I really appreciated that. So I don't know if you guys wanted to open that up a little bit too. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal, this tree of life. I think it's great that the Bible doesn't start out with a set of rules. It didn't start out with the Ten Commandments. That's when I first became a Christian very young. That was completely my view of what it meant to be a Christian, just following a set of rules, mainly just kind of looking around at the people around me. It was all about being a good person, doing the right thing, some kind of model of perfection, perhaps. But like you mentioned, Tim, even Adam and Eve, even if they were in like a sinless condition, that did not fulfill God's purpose. Even if they were sinless, that didn't fulfill what God wanted. He still wanted them to eat the right fruit. It wasn't that they ate the wrong tree that was the big mess up. It was they never took of the right tree, right? They never got the right thing into them. They never got the divine life in. Mm-hmm. We've gotten into it quite a bit, you know, especially in the New Testament, it becomes a lot more clear the Lord comes and says, I've come that they may have life and life abundantly. You know, the words I speak to you, spirit and life. And there's just this sense God wants to give himself to man. And that's really part of what God wanted from the beginning. Who cares what kind of fruit it was? (laughs) I really appreciate that. Uh, I guess I should mention, we've talked before how the tree of life it results in a dependence on God, right? Whereas the tree of the knowledge of good and evil results in a life that's independent from God. That's what knowledge does. Knowledge results in independence. Once you have knowledge of something you don't, or about something you don't need to depend on anybody else, which is praised in our society. But uh as far as our relationship with God, that's not what he wants. He wants us to be dependent on him. Yeah, it reminds me of the verses in John 15 where the Lord Jesus says that he's the vine, which is obviously another kind of plant, sort of like a tree if you've ever seen one. And he, he says that apart from me, you can do nothing. You have to be a, a branch that is abiding in the vine. You know, a branch, if it's independent of the vine... It is dead and basically good for kindling. That's all a a branch is good for apart from its source. And so the Lord is making the point that as believers, we need to be dependent. We need to be abiding in, uh, in him. We need to be attached to the vine. And yeah, all through that book in John, the Lord Jesus continually talks about how he is life and how he came to be life. And so this vine is the source of this life. And he's telling us in John 15, 
that you need to be dependent on me. And what he's doing there is hearkening back all the way back to Genesis chapter one and two, where God's original intention for man was not just to be a created being on the earth doing his own thing, but to be a created being that was dependent on him and that fed on him as the tree of life. And you really, yeah, we, we covered it a lot this last semester, but to, you have to see that the tree of life is not just a, like an apple tree, but it's a, it's a figure. It, it, you know, the, it typifies God himself to be man's portion, to be man's supply, to be man's life. And of course the tree of knowledge typifies the devil <laughs> to be man's portion and to be man's supply. And because what you get when you eat the tree of life is you get the life of God. And what you get when you eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil is you get the life of the devil, which is sin, which equals death. And apart from that life of God, man can do nothing. Even though he's independent, he can do nothing in the eyes of God. Anyway, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know, I think I was part of that podcast where we talked about the trajectories that, you know, fork out of the Garden of Eden from those two trees throughout the whole Bible. That is the, the trajectory of everything that occurs over the next 66 books of the Bible is either, either something on the tree of knowledge of good and evil or something on the tree of life. Yeah, Paul, I think that I think was probably the most striking thing, because like we said before, Genesis planted this seed and you're able to see this thing play out, um, which I guess brings us to this. You know, I talked from in the beginning how the Bible the Gen Genesis is kind of broken up in three main three main categories. The second category is Satan corrupted. Right. And so this really brings in this matter of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which what I appreciated from the podcast uh, and getting into the material and getting into the, you know, some of the commentary and getting into the word is that sometimes the knowledge of good and evil, it's easy to see when it's sinful things, right? Like when Sodom and Gomorrah situation, or there was Cain murdering his brother, you know, obviously those are like, okay, yeah, obviously the wrong, wrong tree. Um, but also in that same aspect, you know, what caused Cain to dig deeper into or fall deeper was the fact that he was worshiping God according to his thought, according mm -hmm. to his way. So in a sense, you know, worshiping God independent from God. So according mm -hmm. to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, and there are, that was an example, you know, sometimes you're like, what's wrong with offering vegetables? I mean, he, he just that took a lot of work. I can't grow a garden to save my life, right? So if, if I could offer vegetables, I'd be a miracle. But what you started noticing is that God is very particular with a bunch, with, with how things are uh, done. You know, he mm -hmm. really wants man to become dependent on him in everything. And when you see man become independent, uh, even if outwardly it looks like it should be okay, there is there's death that follows, right? Mm -hmm. So Cain is one. Uh, the Tower of Babel, again, was also one, you know, where you have these people, they're just building a tower up to heaven. And you're like, what's so wrong about that? But that was an utter picture of rebelling against God, you know, of like, I'm going to make my name as high as your name. You know, this, this aspect of full independence away from God. And, mm -hmm. 
you know, without seeing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, it's hard to see the significance of all these things, you know. So mm -hmm. um, I'll open it up for you guys, too. Oh, it's not live back there. It's okay. There's a lot of obvious, you know, problems and sin and whatnot in Genesis. But there's also a lot of things that seem, like you said, uh, why is that a big deal? Why, why is this such a problem? Well, it's a problem for the sole reason, like you said, Tim, because it is done apart from God. It may be done in the name of God, like Cain's offering, but it's done apart from God, independent of God, without checking with God, without praying, without cons considering what is on God's heart. You know, there was a very clear sacrifice established after Adam and Eve fell. God slew an animal and that animal, its coats became covering for Adam and Eve. And surely they passed on this story to their kids because that was their gospel. That was their salvation was that animal died instead of them. Of course, that plays out over the course of the whole Bible into the New Testament, that the Lamb of God would die for us. And so how do the children respond? Well, Abel, obviously, having heard this story of the good news, cooperates with God's way and uh, follows God's way and presents an offering in God's way, whereas uh, Cain does a lot of hard work and presents an offering according to his thought, according to his reasoning, still in God's name, but apart from God. And obviously, as we know the story, that was not accepted by God. Another one I was thinking about was, we had talked about it on one of the podcasts I was on, was the um, establishment of civilization. And you had Jubal and Jabal and Tubalcane, and, and they all created you know, different things that are part of civilized society, whether it's protection or provision and raising cattle and things like that and entertainment. All right. Not that bad, but it was evidence that man was deviating further away from God and becoming more and more independent. And uh, juxtaposed to that in that same chapter, I think it was Genesis 4, you had Enosh, whose name means frail. And that, that's what, that's what, and he's in the line of Abel, whereas these other ones are in the line of Cain. Well, you, get, you end up with Enosh, and, and his parents re recognize their dependence on God and their need of God, and they name him frail. They didn't name him like powerful warrior or raiser of cattle or entertainer of the people. He was frail. And, and it says men began to call on the name of the Lord at that point. And so you recognize that, again, these two forks, you have a fork of people who are operating in the realm of depending on God and people operating in the realm of, even if they are doing something in God's name, operating based on their own strength, their own power, their own knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, sometimes I guess what's encouraging, like you were showing, Paul, is that it looks like always the majority ends up falling on their own way. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would, I get, I guess this is what the Lord said in Matthew, right? He says, narrow is narrow. the way, right? It's just narrow. Mm -hmm. um, narrow, is, it, well, actually, narrow is the gate and constricted is the way mm -hmm. that leads to life, right? Uh, and this is kind of what we've seen throughout Genesis as well. You have this big following or 
millions or I don't know, lots of people going on, seeking their own things, doing their own things. Some might be okay, some might be evil, but regardless, they're all independent. Um, but and you I, even, I, I'll just interject, you even see uh, people going back and forth. Yes, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, whether so, it's a- Abraham or Jacob or any of those folks, they're, you're, on, you're on the line of the tree of life at one point, and then you're on the line of independence, you know, the next minute. Yeah, see, that, that thing, I think that's what's so awesome because you start seeing, like, you know, we talked about calling on God, Noah walking with God, finding grace in, uh, in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, um, and this, you know, this brings us, I think, to the third uh, object, which is, you know, God created, Satan corrupted, but then God called or God mm-hmm. recovered. You know, God is constantly he never gave up just constantly calling ones and even though it's a small remnant or just a few people there are these ones that were learning to walk with god learning to call on god learning to depend on god uh and i like how you brought this out with jacob abraham you know the like Noah, uh their stories are pretty like short hey they walked with god boom they called on god boom you know build an ark and then boom, but that, that was pretty short, but Abraham, uh, you could say, well, and this was in the Bible, the Abrahamic race or the called race or the children of Abraham, God started doing something very particular starting with Abraham. And I think it was one of the podcasts where we mentioned, you know, if I was here writing a, a holy book and I wanted people to follow it, I wouldn't keep any record of my patriarch's faults. Right. They're all perfect. They never made a mistake and they're awesome. You want to be like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Bible is very <laughs> the opposite. It purposely records their failures. Abraham was walking with God, but then sometimes he would fall away. But then God would appear to Abraham. And it is almost like it rejuvenated Abraham. Abraham oh, walked back and then they get kind of complacent and they fall back. Um but what you saw, I think I was appreciated with Abraham was that even when we Abraham was constantly making mistakes and falling, God's solution to that wasn't to strike him with lightning or, you know, like chastise him with a booming voice from heaven. But it was his appearing like mm-hmm. he appeared to Abraham over and over and over. And that caused Abraham to just. And we talked about it, transform, like right? God caused Abraham to change hmm. more than just like I changed my mind or I've become older and wiser, but something about God's appearing really affected Abraham, you know, and that caused him to just continue to follow and follow and follow to the point that he became someone who is dependent on God, even at the highest test, the highest peak, you know, where Abraham is like, oh, I have to offer my son. Like, Lord, are you joking? Like, is this a, you know, what is this? But he couldn't have done that in the beginning. But it was God's appearing that infused faith into Abraham to the point that he believed God's promise concerning Isaac, that Isaac will be the seed. So with that, he realized that God would have to raise him from the dead. Like if I did this, God would raise him from the dead. And again, this wasn't some kind of mental knowledge exercise. 
I, I don't believe anyway that he was like, okay, I'm just reason my way out of this thing. Mm-hmm. He had been appeared to by God so many times that now he had really learned to depend on God in all these matters, big matters and small matters. I really appreciated that point with Abraham. Yeah, I just I just want to add that, you know, we started talking about Abraham and Isaac, I did we mention, and then Jacob, and eventually Joseph, and all these people on the line of life, you know, the line of the tree of life that we had mentioned, and they're not perfect, far from it, <laughs> full of failures. But this starts to get into a good picture of like our life, our walk with God. Abraham, he was called out and like you're saying, God just kept appearing to him again and again, appeared to him, appeared to him. And, and it said somewhere in there, you know, that Abraham was like a friend, was a friend of God. Mm-hmm. He had that level of, of a relationship with God. So I think, I think it's just really good. It highlights in, his, in Abraham's life, how could he be such a man of such faith? God told him, you know, you're going to have this land. Your seed is going to be here. Um, now you need to sacrifice your son. And Abraham has the faith to say, God will provide or God will resurrect him. How does Abraham have that faith? By God's appearing again and again, right? I just want to toss in a small New Testament application. It just reminds me of that verse in Romans uh, 10, 17, that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. So today, I don't think necessarily we're getting like visions of God <laughs> appearing to us right. in that kind of a way, but we, we have the word. And as we immerse ourselves in the word and surround ourselves with the word, and you know, whether it be the word and just the, the, the text or through the ministry, the interpreted word, faith is infused into us. And that enables us to continue on our Christian walk. I just have one final thought that this word metabolic, you know, and all these ones we're talking about, God appeared to them. But these ones still never tasted of the tree of life. They, you know, in Genesis 3, after the fall, God closed the way to the tree of life. And so these ones, all they had was God's appearing over and over and over and over again. And it was that repetitive appearing that changed them inwardly. Well, finally, thousands of years later, Jesus Christ appears on the earth and he says, I am the life in John 1, 4. And then in John 10, he says, I came that you may have life. And so now You know, you wonder, how does God appear to us today? Well, we don't get, at least I haven't, gotten any special visitations from, you know, a bright beaming angel or, uh, you know, a burning bush in my backyard or anything like that. He appears to us inwardly as the divine person full of divine life within us. And he's there 24-7. And so his appearing to us is honestly when we look at him. Uh, and when we turn our hearts to him, when we make a conscious effort to talk to him, to say his name, to pray, when we 
acknowledge his presence within, that is when we get his appearing because he is there constantly. And so what happens to us is the more we do that, the more there is a metabolic change within us. Because when we do that, in a sense, that's, that's like eating. That's like drinking. It's like being nourished with this divine life. And so if there's, if there's one, you know, kind of take, take away point, it would be that all these ones in the Old Testament are um, pictures for us to learn from as New Testament believers. The, the path they walked, the things that they went through um, can all be applied to our experience in our daily life. The biggest difference being that we don't have to wait on God's appearing, but rather we can actually seize his appearing at any point in our daily life and experience that metabolic work within us day after day. Awesome word, Paul. Christian, do you have any final closing thoughts? I just want to say I had a lot of fun going through the book of Genesis, you know, being able to see all these things, the, the spiritual matters. But I was just considering that the, even at the end of Genesis, this is still very much our indi- an individual believer's experience of God. You know, we've talked so much about depending on the Lord and enjoying God as life, but that's not where the story ends, right? And yeah. That's right. Once you get into Exodus and especially in the New Testament, you get into Paul's epistles, you know, what, what's the purpose? What's the point of my experiencing transformation, my enjoying this metabolic transformation of the divine life in me? What's the point of that? It's eventually it's for the building up of something. Uh, and in the New Testament, it's called the, the church, mm-hmm. right? And it becomes very corporate. So I, I think I heard you mention we're going to try to get into Romans next. I think that book highlights that progression very well. Again, the, the individual experience, uh, it's a very complete, very, very complete picture of it goes, we go from sinners to being sons of God. And then eventually there's the body of Christ. And then even a very practical way that um, the body of Christ is practiced. So anyway, I'm looking forward to getting into that too. I'm just going to wrap both of you guys' words up because it was perfect. You know, in John 5, 39 through 40, the Pharisees were talking with the Lord and the Lord told them, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And these testify concerning me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. That's exactly what you said, Paul. You know, the Lord is here saying all the scriptures that you are reading, Genesis, this is testifying concerning me. And I appreciate, like I said, we were digging through, we saw Jesus in all these pictures. You know, we saw him in the tree of life. We saw him as Abel, you know, and the offering or in Genesis, we saw him when God, the father, Abraham's picture was offering Isaac, the son. You see Jesus in all these pictures. And you see, like in that verse, that these just cause us to keep coming back to God, right? It, it causes should. us to come to the, it should, yeah, it should. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be like the Pharisees who are studying, <laughs> thinking that the black and white words have life. No, you got to go to the Lord. Right. And I like what you said, Paul, The God is 
so available right now. Even, you know, we always appreciate, you know, the disciples that got to walk with the Lord Jesus, you know, for three and a half years. And it is awesome. I mean, if you could go back in time and just be on the fly, a fly on the wall, it'd be amazing to see, right? But even us, we have it on another level where he actually is making his home in our heart. Yeah. And like you said, Paul, you can read the word and we can just call on him like Enosh did and, and just turn to him like Abraham did. And all of a sudden we are actually having fellowship with God in a mm -hmm. very real way. And I like how you brought this out, Christian, because all these things that we're going through, you know, medical school, PhD, step one, all these things, we don't want to miss an opportunity to touch God in all these experiences, right? Because when we do this, we get metabolically changed inside. And again, like you said, and we saw this in Joseph, what was the whole point of all these things that Joseph went through? It was so that he could feed, he can save, right? He was saving his brother's lives through all his experiences of God. And I, I appreciate like what we were saying, all the things that we talked about in Genesis, all our enjoying of God, learning to walk with God, call on God, enjoy him as a tree of life, all these things that we've seen, it's for something. So I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger because looks like we'll be getting to Romans and we'll be really able, be able to dig into again, what God is after in his purpose. Well, again, first of all, thanks to all the listeners and everyone that followed along with us through the book of Genesis. Of course, Paul, thanks for giving us your time and your, your busy schedule. Of course, Christian is the faithful guy that was always with me, experimenting with new tech and new microphones and new lights. Uh, I know we had a bunch of med students like Jonathan and Weston and Matt that helped out as well but again guys we appreciate your time and i hope everybody will keep following along as we go through romans and again any feedback we appreciate i i love the the messages and the feedback because it helps us adjust and you know adapt because we want everyone to enjoy this and everyone to turn to god after they hear something uh, like this Thank you as my lips.